eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to BXB, the new Yankees podcast from Odyssey. I'm Sweeney Murdy, along with Keith McPherson. Keith, first of all, thanks for holding down the fort without me last week on the COVID IL. Back uh, with you today. And thanks to Chris McMonagle for filling in. Uh, a few things have happened since we last met and history last night in the Bronx. Yeah, and no problem. Uh, it was cool to rock the A mic, I guess, you know, fly the captain chair and kind of lead the way. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Had to kind of come up with my own little segments or way to break down the episode. And C-Mac was great. And uh, I'm kind of glad that we um, skipped the uh, Brewer series, you know, and didn't record Monday. We have much better things to talk about now that we waited a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. We're waking up on uh, Wednesday morning here and we are talking about Aaron Judge hitting his 60th home run Tuesday night at Yankee Stadium. Uh, it was amazing i said after the game last night keith if you were going to be there for judge's 60th home run or for a walk-off grand slam either one would have been phenomenal you put them both together in the space of about five or ten minutes it ends up being one of the most epic nights at yankee stadium i missed it um i was talking about it very early we all watched it yeah i watched every part of of the game yeah I, i was on the couch for the whole game but I regret not going. That was worth the price of admission, I'm sure, for most of the people, if not all of the people there. And uh, for the Yankees to come home in that first game to have so much hype around it, Harrison Bader coming back, um, or really his first game as a Yankee, uh, Aaron Judge chasing 60, and the Yankees just looking to keep you know winning, uh, putting together back-to-back wins. I-, I just thought it was a great night. Uh, I regretted not going right away. The FOMO is still hitting me, but I'll be there the rest of the way this week. The uh, listen, the just getting to history, seeing that part of history is amazing. And uh, we're going to get into a lot of that. But listen, being there isn't everything, because even when you're there, you might not really be there. And uh, what do I mean by that? I want to bring in our producer, Ryan Chichester, and uh, he's going to join us here and tell us Ryan went to the game last night. But guess what, Keith? He didn't see the whole thing. (laughs) Yes, uh, Sweeney, Keith, thanks for having me in. I'm here to face the music and, uh, yeah, talk about – you're talking about FOMO, Keith. Imagine the FOMO I'm, I'm feeling right now. <laughs> you tweeted this last night. Now, all right, please, tell us the story. Did, when did you share leave with us. last night? You went to the game, but you left. When did you leave? Yeah, so I went to the game. I was sitting next to C-Mac 
for the game and um we get to the ninth inning and judge is due up first and of course i'm not leaving until judge has his last at bat so of course i say okay i'm gonna you know make my way closer to an exit but have a good view of judge because i will keith will understand this I'm, i live in red bank so not far from where keith is from so it is not easy getting trains back so i was either going to have to leave right after judges at bat or have to wait another hour and 15 minutes for the next train that would get me home. So I made a decision that I was going to, you know, I was there for judge. I was going to watch his at bat. Sure enough, he hits a home run, make, has a curtain call. It's perfect. At this point I'm thinking, okay, you know, it's, it's a tough loss to a team that the Yankees should beat, but I saw what I came here for, which was to see judge hit his 60th home run. Let me get this train. And I'll be back here tomorrow night, hopefully for 61. And, of course, I, I miss a walk-off Grand Slam. So. Wait, so at what point do you leave? Do you like? Did you see him do the curtain call? Yeah, as, as soon as he did the curtain call, I was out. Really? So you didn't see Rizzo hit a double? No. Right nope. If you, had, if you had seen Rizzo double, <laughs> would you have stayed? Yeah, probably. I, I, well, at least it would have started being very conflicting, and I would have started trying to map my new my new route home. Uh, but it, it was I. And, and you didn't watching, hear you didn't hear the noise of the stadium of Rizzo's double as soon as you left. You didn't hear it happen. I mean, I heard some noise, but I just for all I, for all I knew, it was it was uh, anything you know, ninth inning fans. Yeah, well, so, you said you said you got what you came for. Didn't you come to get a win? <laughs> I, it's. You know, the Yankees have a five-and-a-half game lead in the division. I'm feeling pretty good about that. I was there for Judge hitting number 60, more so than a win. Had I known that it was going to be a walk-off grand slam, I probably would have bit the bullet and got home, you know, a couple hours later. But um, I don't know. I'm trying to pace myself. I'm going to be there tonight. Probably going to have to be there tomorrow. When did you find out? On the subway. Everybody was following along on, on the game day app, and service was going cutting in and out, and – um Oh, and, you know, at, at some point, somebody next to me was like um, Donald's or somebody was said Donaldson's up. And then shortly after it was bases are loaded, nobody out. And then I was like, all right, well, this is happening and I'm going to have to deal with this. <laughs> and sure enough, a couple stops later, it was, uh, you know, Stan just hit a grand slam. And then my brother started calling me like the second after I heard somebody say it. And he was like, how does it feel to have missed two walk-off Grand Slams? <laughs> this, yeah, he, this is the important In the same part. season. No, 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 no. Not in the same season. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What, when was it? Part. Go ahead. All right. So 20 years ago, I was at Yankee Stadium with my mom and my brothers. And it was the top of the 12th inning. And the Twins had just scored three runs. And my mom said, you know, we have to go home. It's too late. The dog hasn't been out in like seven hours by by now we have to leave so we did and we had the radio on while we were driving home so i had to listen to jason giambi hit his walk off grand slam and and no joke giambi's grand slam landed about two rows next to where our tickets were and uh there was not many people in the stands because it was raining it was late and probably would have had a good chance to catch that ball but that one wasn't my choosing obviously i would have stayed as long as it took back then when i was just 12 years old but we uh yeah we drove home tried to let the dog out and, and the dog wouldn't go to the bathroom anyway so we pretty much missed it for nothing look at that twice in one lifetime 20 years apart i was at giambi's grand slam uh at the old yankee stadium uh, i watched that from a room the workroom underneath the stadium 
uh, because it had been extra innings, and that's where I had moved down there when the game was looked like it was going to end. Um, last night I wasn't there. I worked from home last night, um, and so you know, actually none of us saw the walk off grand slam last night live. Um, but at least Ryan, you got to see Judge's sixtieth. So why don't we ask you? You were there at least for that part. What did the moment feel like to you? Oh, it was incredible. I mean, it's first there was frustration that the Yankees went down in order in the eighth because you wanted them to come up with, you know, with a runner on or something. And um, but then Chapman surprisingly got through a quick ninth and then Judge comes up and, you you know, he gets in that three one count. You kind of just start feeling like, okay, like something special is about to happen. And that's how it's been with with Judge all season. And sure enough, he gets a hold of one. And I mean, it was it was great. Like the home run was incredible. And honestly, every at bat, every one of judges at bats before that was incredible just because like the anticipation is building every time he comes to the plate and I'm excited to be there again tonight, tomorrow. It's going to be the same exact thing, but it it was, it was very cool to, to be a part of that, uh, of that celebration and then immediately remove myself from uh, arguably an even bigger one. (laughs) Wasn't just you, bro. I was watching the game. People behind home plate and legends left. People in the outfield left. And I was on the radio last night. One of the first things I said on the radio was, don't tell me you left that game. (laughs) I regret it not going to that game, but don't tell me you had a seat in there and you left that game early. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's not a good look. I don't feel good about it. Um, I can't understand anybody that left before judges at bat, but I can't sit here and say I I don't get – I don't get people that left after that and felt like they uh, got what they came for. But I, you know, I blame NJ Transit. We need more. We need more frequent trains. You got to take the bus. You got to take the bus. I, trust me, I know that feeling. That's part of the reason why I moved further north and started like chasing the Yankees because I worked in the city 2015-16 and was commuting back to Red Bank Exit 109. Um, or like, I think it's Lincroft Red Bank bus stop exit 109. Yeah, that's my and you, exit. <laughs> you got to make, you got to make decisions. You got to make decisions based off time, especially if you got to mm-hmm. turn around and be in the city the next day at 9, 10 a.m. Yeah. And I would leave Yankee Stadium. The only game I remember leaving, it was a Texas Rangers game. And I think the Yankees came back, Didi Gregorius and those guys in maybe 2015, like a seven run game. And I was, and that was a meaningless game. I was dejected. I'm like, you were in there. You could have saw one of the greatest comebacks of the season, but you you chose to catch the earlier bus. <laughs> yeah, sometimes life gets in the way, right? Um, Ryan, unfortunately, we're going to have to ask you to leave this early too. Um, we know you're sticking around though uh, and helping us <laughs> put this all together. So uh, listen, I I just need you to tell the story because you you put it out there for everybody, and I wanted. I, I, would, I felt it'd be cathartic for you to get it off your chest a little bit. No, I, I did. It, I felt sick when it happened, so I had to tell on myself and, and tweet it out and let everybody know the uh, terrible thing I did. But, yeah, I appreciate you guys letting me uh, get that off my chest. <laughs> All right. Ryan Jalchester, our producer here at BXB. Uh, this is the uh, Yankees podcast from Odyssey. Get it at all your favorite platforms, Sweeney Murdy and Keith McPherson. So, Keith, the idea of Judge chasing history, he's now reached some history. And I feel like this is just so important to just remember what we're talking about. And I want to get your perspective on this because you were – listen, I was I was 28 years old when 
Um, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa chased it down in the summer of 98. I was working at WFAN doing uh, overnight updates. I was 31 in my first season covering the Yankees when Barry Bonds hit 73. All these guys kept smashing the records, and now we know why, the PED connection. Um, but, I, you know, listen, I am still so much in awe of this number being chased down. 60 and 61 still means something. As a kid who grew up as a baseball fan looking at records and history and numbers and statistics – that still means something to me. It hasn't been cheapened because of the PED guys. I feel though it's been taken away from everybody else because of that. Your perspective is different than mine because you're a lot younger. So I'm curious how you feel about that. Yeah, I can't speak for, you know, the younger generation, but I'm sure there's some people close to my age and younger that might be able to relate to what I'm about to say. Uh, back in 98, I remember being at Little League Baseball Camp in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, the home of the Little League World Series that summer. I went out there for, I think, a week. And uh, I think it might have been the same week of the All-Star game um, in July. And I remember the hype around the home run chase between Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. But I don't remember as a kid anyone even caring that they were steroid users. And back then, even the marketing for Major League Baseball the machine around that home run chase, they weren't talking anything about steroids. Like it was a different era and a different time. And it was just cool. Chicks dig the long ball. It was just fun to see home runs being hit far and this high number being reached. And I just don't remember as a kid thinking at all about PED steroid users. Um, And even though these guys were buffed up muscle men, I just don't remember that being a thing. And as a kid, you don't know. You don't even know what PED stands for as a kid. Right, right. Um, back then, it was just cool to have two guys in the same division uh, chasing the home run record, playing against each other. And I just feel like everybody was locked in on baseball to see that happen. And baseball needed that. After the, you know, it was a couple years after the lockout, um, baseball needed that. And it was part of like the machine. That was, yeah, it was it was a strike um, for the strike, not the lockout. Ninety four. I and there were a number of other factors too, and that's for a different time that that brought baseball back. It was certainly one of them. But I guess I, I guess what I want to know now, Keith, though, is like, is sixty and sixty one? Do these numbers mean as much to you? As because- a Yankee fan, yeah, and and like you know, I, maybe I'd, I'd have a different perspective if I wasn't a Yankees fan and in the Yankees universe and seeing everything through Yankees glasses and through the Yankee fan lens. Yeah. I said last night, I think it's no coincidence, right? I feel like it was a, a destiny for Aaron judge to be chasing down 61, 61 years after 1961 mm-hmm. in yeah. a Yankee uniform in a contract year, a bet on myself year. Uh, 61. There's I still haven't even seen the movie 61. Oh, get out. Oh, here we go with the movie stuff. Here we go with the movie stuff. Come on. I got to watch that one now. Uh, Like that one, actually, I might have to get to this weekend. It's very easy. Go. Billy Crystal directed (laughs) it. It was in 2001. He did it uh, on the, um, I guess, the 40th anniversary of that season. And I actually got to do a show with him and the two actors who played Maris Amanda last year for SNY. Um, I'm going to tweet out that a little bit too. So you get a chance to watch that. That's a phenomenal uh, little piece I got to do. Uh, 61 is a great look back because it'll show you the contrast. It'll show you the differences. Okay. Because um, 
Roger Maris, well, a lot of different things happened. First of all, Roger Maris had Mickey Mantle too. They were both chasing down this number. Um, and Babe Ruth's Babe Ruth's widow, people who knew Babe Ruth didn't want that record to be broken. Right. And they went to lengths to separate this. People are looking, one, Aaron Judge doesn't have anybody else he's competing with. He's doing this all by himself in his own lineup, in his own league, in his own sport. He's the only one doing this. And like there's a kind of a blessing. The Maris family is there. They say records are meant to be broken. They're not rooting for it to happen. But if it happens, they are going to applaud it and applaud it more now because it's not by people who attach to PEDs. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, and it's also a way different era. I spoke on this on WFAN last night. You know, Judge is doing this. In an era where everyone's got a cell phone, everyone was standing up recording, yeah. even more pressure, right? Mm -hmm. the, more pressure just being, you know, a New York Yankee in this time where the Yankees are in a World Series drought. And we look at Aaron Judge as the face of the Yankees and the face of baseball, the dead ball era. Like, supposedly, uh, he's doing this in a year where home runs are down. And you can't even say supposedly. The next closest guy is Kyle Schwarber with 40 home runs. He's 20, 20 home runs. Yeah ahead of the next closest guy uh there's just so many things to add to like what makes this great about there are pitchers that he's facing like he's taking Alec Manoa deep this year he's 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 facing some of the best pitchers in baseball obviously you know you get your your Will Crows here and there but some of these guys are coming out of the bullpen throwing 97 98 99 Judge is doing it in an era where it's just unheard of and the biggest thing for me is the way that he carries himself, the way that he goes about it. He doesn't pimp home runs. He doesn't admire them. He doesn't bat flip. He's like the perfect Yankee. I think it's ridiculous, actually, that like the Yankees have this human being. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not all that, you know, jazz. You know, I, I don't. I don't care that much about like the oh, he does it the right way. He does like I'm. If he wants to flip bats, listen. If he wants to watch the home runs, like like Reggie Jackson watched home runs. Okay, I mean, you're but like this era that. is the era of bat flipping and mm -hmm. and watching home runs and admiring it. That's for why for me, I just think that his style of doing this is so great. It's regular. It's like oh, hitting home runs. I'm not out there to hit home runs. This is just what I do. Watch this home runs. I don't, you know, I didn't mind that either. Um, I, here, here, my thing about watching home runs, bat flips are a different thing altogether. Because I think there's a different kind of emotion uh, attached to that. But watching home runs, I thought was is different because you know there's there were forty thousand people in the ballpark last night. All of them were watching that ball. Okay, why isn't the guy who hit it? Why is he the only one who's not allowed to watch it? Why can't he take an extra couple of seconds? He's watch? ashamed. He's so <laughs> modest. He's like, oh, yeah, look at this. They're gonna superimpose me with Babe Ruth now. I can't even bear to look. That was listen, and and I, I think there's a different kind of pressure too for you. Know, this is different than like a hitting streak, right? Like you know, you you can't just single and satisfy everybody, you know. Um, you're talking the 3,000 hits, you know, Jeter obviously had a home run, but you know, a little infield dribbler would have been the 3,000th hit and it would have been 3,000. Everybody's watching 
waiting for a guy to hit the ball over the fence and not just, you know, one row deep. They want him to hit it, you know, like, like he does all of these. That's a different kind of pressure. And he's living up to that too. When you're, everyone's counts three, one last night, it's a four run lead. I think everybody kind of has an idea that you're going to get a chance to swing the bat. And he did what everybody wanted him to do. That's insane. Keith. Yeah, the amount of con- concentration and preparation and focus to me is just an, it's another level. It's otherworldly. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Jeter, right? And Jeter had the flair for dramatic and uh, just was Captain Clutch and always came through like the judge is looking that way as well. Judge is looking in the same mold. And uh, I- I'll say this before we move on. Watching the game, Judge being the MVP, him having that moment. Right. That sparked the team. It woke the stadium up, Mm -hmm. gave everybody the joyous moment they were looking for in a game that looked like a a disappointment. You know, Rodolfo Castro hits that home run and and this guy looked looked away and like flipped his bat like (laughs) it was a no doubter. And and it was a wall scraper. Even with Judge, right? Even with Judge there, it's like, hey, bro, that guy's six, seven. He could probably jump up like almost 11 feet. He might be able to rob that one. But, uh, you know, the stadium was booing John Carlos Stanton. The vibes were not right in there. And one guy, one most valuable guy, is able to change it in one swing where now it's 8-5. And now the guys in the in the dugout are pumped up because they're witnessing history. And then they're like probably looking at him and he's like, hey, he's passing the baton. We're down three. Go mm-hmm. get it. And yeah. then they did go get it. And everybody that stayed got a – a great present, a great gift, a night that they won't remember or that they'll they'll never forget. They'll always remember. Yeah. And, and even if you weren't there, if you left early, you'll probably remember it, too. I, I think the other thing about that is sorry, Ryan, I just keep having to throw these. <laughs> um, I, I think the other thing is kind of remarkable about this, Keith, is and I want to get into the MVP thing with you, too. But, um, you know, the fact that he did it, that he got there. We talk about pace a lot, okay? He's on pace to do this. You're on pace to do that. Well, at one point this season, the Yankees were on pace to win about 120 games. Well, it didn't happen, you know, and for a variety of reasons. It's really hard to do when you're talking about putting up paces of historic proportions, whether it's wins, whether it's home runs, whether it's strikeouts, or whether it's, you know, you pitch five perfect innings or six perfect innings. The fact that you don't finish it, it's because it's not supposed to. It's supposed to be hard, right? It's hard to finish those things. Judge finished this, okay? And I understand the record is 73, and he's probably not going to get there. But there's still something, as we're talking about, there's something magical to this number and getting here that not a lot of people have gotten to. And he did. His pace stayed. He made that happen because it's not easy to do. And I think that's something else to appreciate. When the Yankees were losing games, when the Yankees were struggling, he still kept his pace. You know, when the Yankees were down and and the bats were quiet and, you know, the judge would still pop one out. I, I referred back to that game in Tampa that the Yankees lost 2-1. I believe it was a Saturday night and judge came up in the ninth inning and led off and hit a home run. And it was, you know, meaningless because the game you knew the game was going to end 2-1. You knew the Yankees had nothing. But last night was a different type of vibe. Judge comes up and hits that home run and we have life. And, uh, man, he's a a powerful guy. I hope he gets all the money he deserves. And I really hope that this year he gets to scratch another thing off of the naysayers list, right? There's a lot of haters that like to point to his numbers 
in October and say what he does or doesn't do. And uh, I'd really like this guy to take that same focus into October and mash there as well and help lead the Yankees uh, as far as they can go so that he can scratch that off the list as well. That's kind of what he's looking forward to. There's a, you know, the, the team goal, the wins that he's talking about. Um, I, I just think it's kind of fun to just watch him get through this and put up the kind of season that isn't just home runs either. Um, we're talking about at this moment in time, he leads the batting race. He took that over on Tuesday night. And that's going to be a tight finish here over these final weeks of the season to see if he can win the batting title and and win the triple crown with it. Um that's that's another part of this. You know, we're not seeing this thing. In I'm 52 years old. In my lifetime, one person has won the triple crown. Um, nobody has hit 60 home runs without a PED taint attached to it. This is an incredible year that he's putting together that it wasn't just about oh, this one hot month, this two hot months. Uh, and, and I, you know, Keith, I phrased it the other day, and I know, you know, you, you referenced this, you know, the, the team the team is kind of lost without him because of all the injuries they suffered, which hurt their pace and everything else. You know, this is, this is the way I, I wrote it the other day. He's putting up Ruthian numbers while he's batting atop not murderer's row, you know, Babe Ruth in the 1927 Yankees, that was murderer's row. Lou Gehrig was there and everybody else, you know, uh, mashing the rest of the league. This is not murderer's row. And he's putting up Ruthian numbers. Yeah. He, he was batting second for a long time. We saw him bat third a couple times. Now he's had the lead off as of the last couple weeks. And I don't know. I just, there's just, we're running out of adjectives to describe the guy. We're running out of words. Uh, for was triple, him, does triple crown mean something to you? Just back yeah, I was about to say, for him to claim the triple crown, we've been looking at that the last couple of weeks because he has come out and said that he wants to hit 300. And as soon as he crept up to like 307 and Xander Bogarts and Luisa Rise were around like 315, 16, 17, it started to become real. And as people start talking about things, it's in people's minds. I feel like there are baseball gods that, you know, they're watching over all of this. They want this stuff to happen. And I think it's ridiculous for this guy to be the triple crown winner, potentially the batting title, uh, the home run record, the MVP. It's just like a video game. It's create a player. If you were to make a Yankee and make him six, seven 280, give him power. And like, we can't knock what this guy has done in the field too. He played center field a lot for the New York Yankees this year. Harrison Bader is here. He gets to slide back over to right field. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just they're, – they're showing a lot of things now from Judge uh, on his way up. You know, they, they've shown his 2013 batting practice in the Oakland Coliseum when he got drafted. They showed how his stance has changed over mm-hmm. the years. The Yankees drafted this guy, helped develop this guy. He has become uh, otherworldly, the face of baseball, the biggest – like, I, I just – I, I don't know what to say. Um, sign him, pay him, and uh, hopefully we can get uh, as far as we can get in October and, and have some more good times once the uh, records go back to zero zero and the stats don't matter. 
The sign and pay him, they'll be, I'm sure we'll devote an entire show to that at some point. The MVP we've talked about, I know you've talked about on your show, and I know you talked about MLB Network too. This is a debate, right? And now listen, it's a legitimate debate, okay? I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, um, you know, I don't like the people who say, if anybody votes for Otani, they should have their vote taken away. Well, listen, (laughs) this is a fascist state, okay? You're allowed to vote and and back up your vote. Uh, Otani is doing things that people haven't seen. It's taken... You know, if Aaron Judge was leading the Yankees with 42 home runs um, and batting 275, we probably wouldn't be talking about this in the same way. It might not be the same debate um, because Otani is a special player. And he's doing things that people just don't see. Um, it's taken a historic season to say, okay, maybe Otani isn't the MVP this year. Listen, I'm with you, Keith, I think, that Judge is the MVP or should be the MVP of the American League. But I, I, I don't think it's this slam dunk thing. I really don't because we have to recognize that there's a guy doing things that we also are comparing to Babe Ruth, okay? That is, that's a big deal. I understand the argument with Otani that he won MVP last year and he's having a better season this year. So if he won it last year and he's having a better season than he's having last year, then he should win it again this year. But I feel like Aaron Judge trumps that because of what we've just gone through, all the things we've named from the home run record to the triple crown, the batting title, the, you know, the, the, the guys doing it on a first place team. He carried that team. And my argument has shifted to this, right? Otani is a complete unicorn. And uh, I think what we're going to see if he's healthy is him stack seasons like this and potentially get better, but him stack seasons where he is one of the top home run hitters, DHs, and he is one of the top pitchers in the American league or wherever he lands. He, I think, <laughs> I think yeah. it'll help his case if he gets out of Anaheim and then he's on a team that yeah. he's helping go to October because where the argument has circled around for me is the word value. It's mm-hmm. the most valuable player. What do you consider value? I consider value winning games and getting to October, right? Um, Shohei Otani, as great as he is, he's not able to will them to victory. He can dominate on the mound and they can still lose. He can hit two home runs in a game and they can still lose. And do quite often. And it and it happens exactly. And it's not like we haven't seen it. It happens. He's also playing next to another MVP and arguably the best player in baseball, depending on who you ask over the last decade, Mike Trout. So if we're talking about value also, look at how many tickets were sold last night. There's 40,000 people in the Bronx to see a Pirates-Yankees um, game late in the season. Uh, that's not a game that would draw 40,000. The right. value of Aaron Judge and what he's doing is putting people in the seats. That's money, right? And then, you know, what else is value? It doesn't have to just be money. Like I said, it's the value of what you're doing for the team. You take this guy off the team. And they are not this team. You take Shohei Otani off the Angels, they're still eliminated and not a postseason. Yeah, I agree. And I think, listen, and and I agree with that definition of valuable, but that's the problem with the award, okay? And, you know, everybody defines it differently. And that's okay. You know, you're, this is what, part of voting for the award is all about is the people have their different definitions of it. And I, I just don't like, listen, I think it would be a crime if, Judge didn't win the MVP this year, okay? But I do not like this whole 
idea of, well, if you don't vote the way I want you to, you should have your vote taken away. Well, that's just silly, okay? Because we're not talking about, you know, voting for Andrew Velazquez for MVP. And I'm sorry, Andrew, I do like (laughs) What's up, Squid? Yeah, (laughs) this isn't isn't personal, okay? But we're talking about uh, somebody who, now, where I think it would get sketchy, and this is something we have to see as, as the years go on, like, what is the cutoff for Shohei Otani's greatness to be rewarded with an MVP? If he was going to have a season where he had, I don't know, 28 home runs, and maybe as a pitcher, he was, you know, 10 and 7, um, and maybe his ERA is slightly higher. He's still doing, like, nobody else still can match that, okay? But is there a cutoff to his greatness in terms of production? And I think there is. But this isn't it. He's in this discussion. He's in this argument because he is having a great season. But Judge should, in my opinion, win the award. Yeah, there's another thought to value. What do you do for your team? It is extremely valuable to be able to be an ace and a DH in one guy, right? Mm-hmm. But then when you look at Judge, man, he's two, he's two 30 home run hitters in one guy. Right. He's like having two uh, thirty yeah. home run hitters in your lineup. Yeah. And uh-huh. uh, the last thing I'll say about that with with Sho- Shohei Otani and Judge is uh, Judge should have had the MVP in 2017. I, I like I'll never get over that one. Mm. And if they don't give him the AL MVP this year, I'll really never get over this one. I feel like Shohei got it last year and that was his first full year healthy doing what he does. Great. But in his second year, here comes Aaron Judge in a prove it year. And he goes absolutely insane. Yeah. There's no way you don't reward him with the AL MVP. Uh, Vladdy Jr. spoke to it. He said he feels like it would be another steal. And I didn't know if Vladdy was talking about himself, you <laughs> yeah. know, and, and Shohei stealing it from him last year or, you know, Altuve stealing it from Judge and then us finding out about the trash cans. And it was close even with the help that Altuve had. Um, I feel like Judge is the MVP this year. I think it's getting uh, more and more – like, if there's a percentage, I think it's 60-40 judge now uh, just because of all this hype. I'm watching SportsCenter. They don't cover the Yankees. They don't cover baseball like that. Right. They, don't, they don't go breaking news to Yankee Stadium. Pre- like, there's extra cameras. There's, there's extra eyes, extra attention. Uh, people that don't even, you know, watch baseball are tweeting about it. I saw a tweet that got picked up where someone was trying to blame MLB's marketing. They're like, I had no idea judge was going for Ruth's record tonight. I'm like, I everybody that, else I, did. For well, me. I think that was, that was um, a little sarcasm because oh, okay. everybody is mentioning. And Twitter, Twitter, Twitter ruins all of this as well. Right. Because Twitter is where you see people like you shouldn't, your vote, you shouldn't have a vote. And it's like, if That's, we didn't have Twitter. Yeah. I That's, think it would be quieter on some of these debates. It's the dumb, it's the dumbest argument, okay? Because you know, you you've earned the right to vote however you want to vote, not how somebody else wants you to vote. And and that's, you know, you can't just take it away kind of thing.